0: Hearing Loss Live talks self-advocacy. Hello, and welcome to Hearing Loss Live. Today's podcast, we'd like to talk to you about self-advocacy. We're pretty passionate that you need to self-advocate, as you see in our blog that's on our website. But today, we'd like to talk about why self-advocacy is so important. Michelle, can you talk to me about self-advocacy and your thoughts on it?
1: I can, Julia. And, and you know, self-advocacy is, is such an important thing. It's something that I had no clue of as a kid. I had no idea that I needed to self-advocate just because I had no one advocating for me. So, you know, as a little kid, it doesn't occur to you. Um, and so I wasn't good at it and I actually didn't start self-advocating until my hearing took such a drastic dip. Um, that I had to figure something out, and um, part of that is an attitude shift. Um, For a lot of people who are hard of hearing, um, we tend to be timid, and for me, that was a parent teaching me to be diffident, not just with my hearing loss, but also in life. You should always put others above yourself, and that's not a bad lesson. Um, But I think I took that to an unhealthy degree and um, tried to be more considerate of other people than I needed to be for myself. And so um, when someone who is hard of hearing Um, decides that they need to take control and start self-advocating, there has to be an attitude shift for a lot of people. Um, We have to stop thinking that people are doing us a favor by accommodating us, and we also have to stop thinking that if we ask for something that's not there, we're complaining. And I think those two things are a big thing. that people who are hard of hearing have to take ownership of. Um, And for me, that moment came when I was able to look at people who had visible disabilities and ask myself, Would I think um, that they were too much trouble by asking for something that they needed um, to physically have access to something? And the answer was no. And so I had to apply that to my own life and my own um, disability and realize that it's not too much to ask. So that's kind of where I started with owning self-advocacy. And that really um, started um, different layers of advocating for myself. And I can talk about some of the other motivations I had a little bit later, Um, but I'll let somebody else contribute right now. Thanks, Julia.
0: Thank you, Michelle. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to self-advocacy, isn't there? There are public venues, there's business, your employer, your home. Yeah, there's there's tons. Shelley, what are some thoughts you have on self-advocacy?
2: Thank you. Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on self-advocacy. And one of the things that popped into my head while Michelle was talking is that this is part of my, three parts of being successful with hearing loss. One is, you know, the hearing technology, and I'm talking about hearing aids or even captioning, AI and stuff. There's all kinds of tech, technology. It's not just hearing aids. And the second part is education. you got to learn everything you can about hearing loss so you know how to present yourself later, right? And this leads up to self advocacy, which is a major part of being successful with hearing loss. You know, we're all, all of us, I think, who are hard of hearing know what it's like to be the underdog, so we stick up for other people a lot. And we are willing to help others all over the place, and we do it all the time, but we're so mild when it comes to asking for what we need. And in the blog, you can see where I talk about being meek. And meek, timid, um, shy, reserved, holding back, all the time because i thought the whole burden of communication was on my shoulders and and i didn't want to bother other people with my accommodation needs and then i learned how simple accommodations could be like i need you to look at me when you're talking i i use lip reading so i need you to look at me when you're talking and as i learned these different things i kind of. Put them to practice in my own life. And then I would start going out after my family, and I was successful with my family. They were really good. But then I would go out into public and uh, practice there as well. And I started with waitresses and grocery store clerks because they have to be nice to me, right? <laughs> They're paying to be nice to me and it worked you know they're very accommodating for the most part i did have somebody in a class a long time ago say well you're not from the east coast then because they're really rude all the time (laughs) so you know out, out west it's not so bad it's people are nice i'm not sure about back east i hope to get back there someday soon so after that after i found my way through um publicly uh, advocating for myself and my communication needs. I bumped it up to uh, going to public venues and asking for assistive listening devices. And even though that wasn't really the thing I needed anymore, I needed captions because my hearing loss was so bad. But the asking for assistive listening devices Made other people aware that they had to find them. They had to hunt them down a lot. I was surprised at how often they had to hunt them down, and then they were more aware of people asking for them and I was made more aware of how to ask for them so i those were the simple ways that I started to advocate for myself a little bit better, and I grew with confidence and i I did more things with advocacy, which I'll talk about later.
0: Thank you. Yeah, why is it it's so easy for us to advocate for our children with with whatever they have going on in their lives, and and but for ourselves, we we get nervous and don't understand. I think a lot of employers um, are well undereducated on what hearing loss versus deaf culture needs are. Um, They understand really well what a sign language interpreter is, but they really don't understand what CART is. Um, uh, Just recently, AI has become uh, a hot topic. I'm sorry, my dog is moving around in the background Um, because employers still are trying to use it as a gold standard and the employee is not understanding the meeting because the AI is not captioning correctly what's happening. And so um, I think you'll see a movement soon on what card is more defined. Um, but this is at least an employee trying to, to advocate for themselves and, and, you know, it might take a lawsuit before it becomes fully, um, I won't go there. <laughs> I won't go there with my thoughts on it. <laughs> it was, it was really long. But, um, Michelle?
1: Um, you know, I, I think it takes a lot for people who are new to self-advocating to get to the point where they're even aware of what's available to them, and um you know, I kind of did started a baby steps too. I uh, just realized no one was gonna help me, and I had to help myself and so I started experimenting um, uh, when I had those little successes, it really motivated me and made me feel a little bit empowered, and then that just kind of grew um a big shift for me was when I joined the Say What Club and I used to write for the um, newsletter and um, Pearl Fetter was the editor at that time and she used to give me assignments and my one of my first interview assignments was Lauren Stork of CCAC captioning and um, I interviewed her and and Throughout the interview, I started to take ownership of my being part of the hard of hearing community, and you know, I always felt um, I felt less knowledgeable and less qualified than a lot of people to um, take self advocacy to that next level. But but interviewing Lauren and then um, about. Five months later, I interviewed John Waldo, um, who is a legal advocate for people with hearing loss, and he is a big reason why we have captioning devices in movie theaters um, in the U.S. Um, He worked very hard to um, get that in place, and... I don't think it was in our interview, but I remember speaking to him in person, and he told me that his biggest frustration was that people work really hard to get accommodations for the hard of hearing and deaf, and um, the vast majority of the hard of hearing don't use them. Um, One thing is we don't know about them, but even when we know about them, we don't use them, and so that's a frustration. Um, And so after those two interviews, I really took ownership of my being a member of the hard of hearing community. And that was when I started um, advocating for captioning, because captioning is my language. I speak English. I communicate in English. I write English. And I'm fluent in English. I just can't hear English when people speak. And so captioning... um, is the access I need to communication. And so that was a a couple of years process for me. And hopefully others won't take as long to arrive at that. Taking responsibility for being a member of a large group of people who need to be accommodated and who need to self advocate but also advocate for their community and ask for what we need. But a big part of that is edu- educating the hard of hearing community because a lot of people are not aware of what's available to them.
0: Thank you, Michelle. And you said, when you say you speak in English, you live, you, you just can't hear the English, but your English is your spoken language, is one of the things that always has stuck with me. I've, I've heard you say it to people, and I thought, oh, you know what? That's exactly how it should be. Uh, if you're talking to your employer, that's exact verbiage you should take to your employer. I, I, I need to see in English. I, I speak English. English is my language. I just can't hear it. So card allows me to hear the English language that's being said. I, I just, I think that's a good way for people to think about approaching their employers. That That's always stuck with me. Shelley, did you raise your hand or did I just not see it?
2: No, I didn't, but I can go. <laughs> uh, so, I, you know, I sit here thinking about, advocacy and and how there's infrastructure within society, you know, where we talk about infrastructure with bridges, Okay, get you one place to the other wheelchair ramps allows people with wheelchairs to go into places, captions are infrastructure. They allow us to um, hear what we need to hear to be able to participate. Captions are A bridge okay it's a it's a bridge to keeping us involved and one of the things that you know you hear a lot about is uh, hearing loss and dementia and people isolate because we don't have the access to public things you know venues venues (laughs) sorry i say that wrong and that has been pointed out to me (laughs) But, you know, we would be a lot more active if we had captions everywhere we went. We wouldn't be staying home. I mean, staying home and watching TV because it has captions and movies is kind of an isolating thing. So we need to get out more, they say, and that's the link to dementia is the isolation. Okay, so keep welcoming us with captions and we will get out there and participate and maybe there would be less of it and that's like okay a whole another topic we'll go there again some other day but in the meantime those of us with hearing loss need to say what we what we need to do things okay i'm going to go to this party but here's how it's going to happen i need it to be in the daylight because i can't read lips or hear in the dark okay Uh, I need to make sure I'm well rested before I go, because the more tired I am, the harder it is to liberate. And then I only want to spend about an hour there, maybe hour half. And I need to go because my brain is fried. So that's a form of self-advocacy is making your needs known.
1: Michelle? Um, uh, Julia, I just wanted to respond to you um, referring to me saying I speak English, I write English, I communicate in English. Um, I don't want to get off on captioning advocacy because that's like a whole huge um, issue all its own. And I've had some good success there. But the reason I came up with saying that um, English is my language. I just can't hear English, so I need access to English through captioning. Was a lot, and um, a lot of the reason was because when I would request CART, I would be offered a sign language interpreter, and so I would have to tell people sign language is not my language. I wish I knew sign language, but I don't. That's not my experience and what i need is verbatim captioning for spoken language and um that's the vast majority of us um um uh, at least 85% of the 466 million people in the world with disabling hearing loss will access communication through some form of text or captioning of a spoken language. And that number goes even higher. It's probably more like 98% um, when you factor in that 2% of the 15 million people in the world who are categorized as culturally deaf, um, only 2% of, of that number um, have access to sign language education. So um, the people who need to access communication, um, uh, most of us are going to do that through captioning or some form of text, speech-to-text um so that's kind of why I had to start saying English is my language um and you know sign language is wonderful and you should accommodate anyone who needs sign language but what I need is English or my language my spoken language um and that's what card is um real time translation um for whatever language you need and sometimes I I think the people who provide accommodations need to look at it as a translation because it is a translation I won't get off into the weeds on the issues I've had there with some groups that I'm part of when I request captioning but um, I just wanted to explain that's how, why I kind of developed explaining what I needed because people could understand them that, you know, not everyone who is hard of hearing knows sign language. We're not fluent in sign language most of the time. And so that's not going to be a good accommodation for us.
0: Thank you, Michelle. I just I it's always stuck with me that you've been able to come up with that way to think about it. And you know, self-advocacy could be something as simple as I I can't hear well on the phone anymore. What can we do? And an employer helping you get a caption app or a caption telephone if it's a landline. Um, it could be uh it could be using Otter on a one-on-one with your with your employer or your friends knowing how to use Ava at a restaurant with your friends and family um or Otter um and and it could be and Shelly, I always like your your idea. Do baby steps. Start with what's important to you, and and figure out how to self advocate to have a better outcome, and then try the next one and try the next one, and then it's always not so scary. Um, I do want to say, employees really need to self advocate for what they need um and don't stop you if uh, one of my examples and i'm not sure which blog it's coming out in is if you go to your employer and say i need cart for this meeting so that i can make sure i'm understanding the training and and don't get fired whatever um and they say oh sure we'll hire an interpreter this is a company that knows it has to follow ADA so the thing is, they just don't know what CART is. And so this is a, a time for you to to explain that and, and, and don't stop for the accommodation. Don't be told it's too expensive. I've done the research, people. CART costs no more than it does for a sign language interpreter that comes in two. Two people come, one CART provider. So um, just keep that in mind. And as family members, support whatever that, that hearing loss individual needs, right? We need to be very supportive and not tell them what they should have. Um, we we need to help them with their self-advocacy and stand behind them. Shelly?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to be real short and sweet here and say that we all need to speak up and speak out so that our communication needs become as known as the deaf community. They are awesome in what they have done, and we need to do the same thing. Start easy. Work your way up. That's what worked for me. I, I worked up from baby steps all the way to legislation. And uh, Yes, I was very nervous when I got to the legislature level, but I did it. It was a good experience, but it started with small steps.
0: I remember you when you first went to the legislators. Yeah, it's been a while. It was good. It was good for you to be there and, and supportive. I can't even remember the bill, but that, that's another thing that, that we really need to figure out how we can improve our state legislators and our federal legislators on, on captions. The bridge thing had me thinking of something, Shelley. Um, there's that cartoon, I don't know if you've ever seen it, where they're, um, shoveling the stairs for people to walk up the stairs, but the wheelchair ramps full of snow. And he's like, oh no, there's more people that need to walk up the stairs, so I'm gonna do the stairs first. But if you do the ramp, everybody has access. So I can't hear well in an airport, and now you've got masks. I wish they caption everything that happens at an airport. It not only helps the individuals with hearing loss, it helps us with hearing. I almost missed a plane coming back from Pennsylvania because they called off and said, Oh no, we're not gonna board this plane right now. So I started to walk away. I heard that they were talking and just happened to realize, nope, never mind, we are boarding this plane now. <laughs> so yeah, I I I like the bridge idea, it's so important. Any more thoughts? Um, I just wanted to
1: say I've had a a unique experience in that I've never benefited from hearing aids. And I'm at the profound level now. And so um, I wish hearing aids and technology had worked for me better. Um, Assisted listening devices only amplified. And amplification does nothing for me other than cause me pain because of my hyperacusis so there's a lot of value in having an alternative plan um, If your technology fails you, you have to know how to ask for something very simple. It might be as simple as people writing it down writing down what they need to say, and the whole masks with the pandemic um have created such havoc for people um who are hard of hearing and i hear a lot of people saying oh, i i just stay home i'm not going to go anywhere until this whole thing's over with because i can't understand people with a mask but you can't do that you can't stop living um and so what my unique experience has forced me to do is to remain present in my life and to keep doing the things that i enjoy solo travel, um, all kinds of things I do by myself, I kayak by myself, I hike by myself. Um, I've had to find other ways to communicate with people and, and there's a lot of value in that flexible communication. If one way doesn't work and you don't know what to do, Um, talk to the person and say, hey, let's try to figure out how we can communicate. This isn't working for me. And people are very helpful and willing to help you. And a lot of of hard-of-hearing people, um, once their technology fails, they kind of freak out because they don't have anything to fall back on. That's a huge part of self-advocacy that I personally want to address because I've had to focus on that, and there's a lot of value in having several different ways that you can communicate. So that's a big part of self-advocacy for
0: me. Thank you, Michelle. Any Anything else, Shelley? Thank you for joining us today when we talked self-advocacy. I would like to let you know in November, we will be having a workshop that is dealing with the holidays and family gatherings. We hope you will sign up and join us and we will talk more about self-advocacy for yourself with your family parties this, this holiday season. Thank you for joining us at Hearing Loss Live. Please see our full blog at hearinglosslive.com, and we look forward to talking even more self-advocacy next week when we talk to you about CART and automated, I'm going to call it artificial intelligence, AI, couldn't remember what it stood for, hearinglosslive.com. Thanks for joining. Thank you for joining Shelly Wyatt, Michelle Linder, and Julia Stepp. Next Monday, look forward to CART and AI.